Today, we're pleased to share with you an audio essay written and read by Rosaria Butterfield entitled, Five Lies Our Culture is Telling Us. Rosaria Butterfield's book is Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age from Crossway. Five Lies Our Culture is Telling Us Written and read by Rosaria Butterfield Lie number one. Homosexuality is normal. Included in this lie is the belief that homosexual orientation is true and immutable, fixed and never-changing. Homosexual orientation, a 19th century Freudian invention, is an unbiblical category of personhood and an antagonist to the creation ordinance because it redefines sinful desire as something that defines who you are rather than how you feel. Lie number one claims that the Word of God doesn't apply to homosexual orientation because homosexual orientation represents a person's core truth. Some professing Christians believe that homosexual orientation is fixed, immutable, unchangeable, and part of God's creational and eternal plan. Some people believe that homosexuality is embedded in a person's identity. We must ponder why God's attribute of immutability has been embraced by the LGBTQ plus movement as an attribute of homosexual orientation. God is immutable. God never changes. One theologian defines God's immutability as, quote, that perfection in God whereby he is exalted above all, unquote. But if you exchange the creator for the creature, you impose God's attributes on man. When we hear homosexual orientation is fixed and immutable, it never changes. This is only imaginable in a world that has already exchanged the worship of the creator for the worship of the creature, of God for an idol. Quote-unquote gay Christians, an oxymoron if there ever was one, teach that you can't repent of who you are, how you feel, or even what you desire. They believe that homosexual orientation is morally neutral, separate from one's sin nature, cannot be repented of, and rarely changes over a person's lifetime. This is a lie. Lie number two. Being a spiritual person is kinder than being a biblical Christian. Unbiblical spirituality welcomes people exactly as they are, or at least makes this promise. This is a religion that elevates being a quote-unquote good person over giving your life to Christ. To the unbiblically spiritual person, everything is one. Distinctions and hierarchies are called abusive, and true spirituality is supposedly found inside ourselves. This sort of spirituality, unbiblical spirituality, believes that everything in the universe supposedly shares in this divine power and unifying balance. Rules, divisions, and distinctions are violent, or so says the unbiblically spiritual person. In contrast, for the biblical Christian, there are two kinds of reality, God and creation. God is eternal, triune, personal, holy, loving, and separate from his creation. 
According to biblical spirituality, there are two kinds of people, those who love God and those who defy God. Even though we create our own problems by refusing to live by His laws, God provides the only solution through the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor and theologian Peter Jones, founder of Truth Exchange, offers the most helpful paradigm for comparing unbiblical spirituality to biblical spirituality. While unbiblical spirituality self-promotes as kind and inclusive, it is in reality narcissistic and damning. Line number three, feminism is good for the world and the church. Feminism began in 1792 with Mary Wollstonecraft's A Vindication of the Rights of Woman. As its title suggests, it sought to vindicate, which means to assert one's right to possession. And what rights needed possessing? Women needed to possess the rights to citizenship. Wollstonecraft sought rights for education and voting for women. Feminism has gone through four waves or phases since 1792, with the most recent wave so tied to the LGBTQ plus movement that now, in 2023, we cannot even define what a woman is or defend her right to exist, least of all to be noted as a citizen. Feminism in the world is passé. It has been displaced by transgenderism. Feminism in the evangelical church, however, is alive and well. When the church sets itself up to follow the world and not to lead it, it necessarily lingers long with discarded trends and affections. Adherents of feminism believe the Bible has no bearing on gender roles, responsibilities, or requirements because the idea of men and women being made by God's design for God's purposes on earth is old-fashioned, silly, dangerous, abusive, and culturally driven. Some professing Christian feminists believe that Adam's headship is a consequence of the fall, and thus a sin. They claim that there is no biblical warrant for a married woman's submission to her husband and elders, or for elders and pastors to be qualified men. Bible verses that call for a wife to obey her husband in the Lord, such as Titus 2, 4 through 5, 1 Peter 3, 1, 5 through 6, and Colossians 3:18, are contextualized and then dismissed. Some feminists believe that feminism offers a corrective to Christianity, because without it, misogyny, the hatred of women, will run rampant with biblical support. Without feminism to the rescue, they argue, the church will unwittingly promote sexual abuse by giving perpetrators extreme and unchecked power and spiritual abuse by prohibiting a woman from using her gifts of teaching from the pulpit and assuming the roles of pastor and elder. This is a lie. Lie number four. Transgenderism is normal. People who believe in what is called gender fluidity also believe that sexual difference has no biological or ontological, original and eternal integrity. 
Transgenderism is supposedly as normal for some people as freckles and a blue sky on a North Carolina summer day. Transgenderism maintains that there are more than two biological sexes, and even more genders. The year 2022 boasts 72 genders and 78 gender pronouns. In time, there may be 10,000. What does this all mean? How did we get to a place in the United States where someone can walk into Planned Parenthood and 45 minutes later leave with a prescription for powerful hormones that will leave her sterilized for life if taken over time? We got here by believing the lie that transgenderism is normal, at least for some people. Lie number five. Modesty is, is an outdated burden that serves male dominance and holds women back. People who believe this lie dismiss the virtue of modesty for Christian women. Having denied that men and women are different, with different responsibilities, callings, and boundaries, those who reject modesty believe that calling women to a different standard of dress, speech, and conduct is oppressive. They deny that women owe their brothers the kindness of modesty. At the bottom of this is the feminist belief that it is not fair that women are different from men and that asking women to dress and behave with spiritual modesty serves male dominance and holds women back. In the contemporary church climate, modesty has been replaced by exhibitionism. When it seems like we are living at ground zero of the Tower of Babel, when the whole world seems to have gone mad, we need to cling to Christ with courage, read and memorize our Bible with fervency, be active members of a faithful Bible-believing church with passion, sing psalms with joy, and pray for our enemies with humility. We need to be humble people, remembering that we were not created to be all-knowing. We don't need to be all-knowing because God is. Christ alone can solve the problems we face today. God calls us to live our Christian lives with courage, tell the truth, and fear God and not man. Can we with Jesus sing Psalm 118, line 6, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Oh, I know. You can think of a long list of things the world can do to you. Your son, who calls himself Julie, won't talk to you. You will be fired from your job if you don't put a rainbow sticker on your door. Your neighbors will hate you when they learn that you believe in the God of the Bible. All this may be true, and still, this verse calls us to put things in perspective, specifically the Lord's perspective, as seen in Hebrews 11, where we see firsthand that God uses our faith, whether we live or die. This is the faith story we like, from Hebrews 11, 32-34. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies 
to flight. But this is the faith story that terrifies from Hebrews eleven, thirty-six to 38. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. God records that both life and death, if done in faith, advance the gospel and give glory to God. Christians ought never despise suffering for Christ. And as we are seeing today and have seen throughout church history, all true Christians will suffer for the truth of Christ. That was Five Lies Our Culture is Telling Us, written and read by Rosaria Butterfield. For more, be sure to check out her book with Crossway, Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. Pick up a print copy of the book for 30% off or get the ebook or audiobook for 50% off directly from Crossway by visiting crossway.org plus. For more audio content like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend and leaving us a review. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.